Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right, Paul, welcome back. How you doing? Good, man. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm great. I'm great. Maybe you can notice the, the fresh tan I'm sporting right now. I just I spent four days in Florida over spring break getting some sun, some relaxation, ready to hit uh, quarter number two of this year and uh, get going. Awesome. Yeah, Florida's great this time of year. Get away from, especially where you live. Yeah, especially where I live. Florida's great for many reasons. We'll just say that. But, uh, well, all right. Yes. So today we are going to be talking about, we, we thought it would be really important to talk about mindset. Now, it's not going to be one of those woo-woo episodes where, you know, just visualize and imagine and, and it'll, it will be. It's really talking about changing your mindset from the broke middle class mindset that the, we're really, most of us were raised in. You know, whether it was intentional or not, that's just the way we were raised and that's kind of how we're marketed to through the media. And then changing that to a wealth, a wealthy way of thinking, wealthy mindset. Um, so we will kind of explore our, our backgrounds in that and how we made that transition from one mindset to the next. Because really, I think you and I both agree, like middle class is a mindset more than it is a socioeconomic status. And to become wealthy you have to change your mindset to think like somebody who's wealthy would think. And, and how do we do that? Uh, well, for me, it was uh, reading books, listening to podcasts, surrounding myself with people who, who are wealthy, uh, or at least wealthier than, than I am, and, and finding out what they do and start thinking like they think. So um, it's, it's a process and it's still ongoing. So How's that process been for you, Paul? Yeah, it's it's about the same, right? I remember when I was a kid, I wanted a uh, a go-kart. And the excuse was, oh, we can't afford that. Right. And I, that's a classic, you know, middle class mindset. Instead of asking the question, how can I afford that? Right. And I think that's a fundamental difference uh, that I've noticed in myself is and we talked about this on past episodes and how the wealthy pay for things. The wealthy people acquire assets that then fund their lifestyle and the things that they want. Right. And I, I think the difference between those two questions or those two statements, one is a statement. We can't afford that. And I've taken that out, out of my lexicon. My kids will never hear me say that. Um, even if I can't afford it at the moment, you start asking a different question. How can I afford it? And then your, your mind starts working. Your imagination starts going, you start getting more creative. You start thinking of ways to increase your income, which I think is severely uh, undervalued and underemphasized in our society is thinking about how to Im increase your income. So, yeah, why, why settle for not being able to go out and get that go-kart once you figure out how to get that go-kart, right? It's a lot more exciting to think that way. So, and that's probably, we're probably getting our, ahead of ourselves in these points because uh, we, we outlined a... A few topics we want to discuss and and juxtapose the the thinking of middle class versus wealthy so why don't you just start off with the uh, the first one we got listed there 
Sure. Okay. So you mentioned reading books. You know, these are things that uh, that we both, you know, we're both avid readers. We both, you know, I think it starts with um, studying what do wealthy people do? And I've often talked about this with, with my friends and my, and my clients. Um, you know, you want to be wealthier. Well, let's find out what are some of the what are some of the things that the wealthy people do? We talked about acquiring assets to pay for lifestyle. We talked about um, control, right? Now, a lot of wealthy people might have some high-end brokerage firm that's manning the, managing their portfolio or their family office or whatever. As I mentioned before, wealthy people acquire assets that pay for their lifestyle. So that's what we as, as middle-class people need to learn to do. We don't want to abdicate control of our wealth to, we talked about this in a previous episode, a 401k plan perhaps, or maybe locking up our money in a traditional IRA or, or any kind of qualified plan. That's all abdicating control of, of capital to somebody else. In the case of qualified plans, you're putting the government in between you and your money. Um, is that a good idea? I don't know. You know, they have $30 trillion of debt, another couple hundred trillion <laughs> unfunded liabilities. I don't know if that's the people I want to be in business with, right? Um, so, you know, my journey, I was your typical army officer, right? I put my money with a, a certain brokerage firm as a, as a second lieutenant, which was fine, whatever. It was better than doing nothing, right? You know, I, I had no financial or investing education from, from my, from my upbringing whatsoever, right? I had never heard of any of these things. Uh, so it was good to start something, but again, I was seeding control and maybe at that time, maybe I needed to. You know, it was, you know, before the advent of, of smart technology and smartphones and Internet. And I hadn't, you know, I hadn't read Kiyosaki. I hadn't read any of these books yet. Uh, BYOB was out, though. I just hadn't heard of it. Right? right. And why would I have? What I've learned since, right, is I am perfectly capable. And most people, I think, are perfectly capable of controlling their own wealth yep. and deciding what to do with the capital that they've accumulated over time. So, did that cover it? Yeah. yeah. I think that's great, man. Control your own capital versus abdicating your capital, uh, your wealth building to somebody else who really doesn't have, who really doesn't care as much as you do, right? Who cares about your money more than you? Nobody. Nobody. Right. Okay. So, the next one, middle class think, trust the stock market. Hey, I'm going to trust the stock market. It always goes up over time. There's dips, there's valleys. <laughs> it's always going to rise over time. So, I trust it. Wealthy thinking is understand the stock market. So when you understand it, then what happens when you understand something better when it comes to investing or growing your wealth? Your risk decreases. And Kiyosaki talks about this in all his books, like investing in the stock market is not risky, not understanding what you're doing in the stock market. That's risky. So it's the difference between, it doesn't just go for stock market. It, it could be real estate, like trust real estate. Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pay off my house because my house is my greatest asset. That's a middle-class thinking. The wealthy understand that, well, I, I need to understand real estate and understand, do I want all my money locked up in the walls of my house? Maybe there's a better use for that cash. Um, so it's the difference between blindly trusting and just whatever somebody tells you versus understanding. No, I love that. No, absolutely. Uh, especially your point about risk. 
you know, I think, um, you know, invest in what you know. You know, there's people these days that are into they're into all kinds of different things, whether it's real estate or crypto or private loans or whatever. But invest in what you know. If you're blindly out there like, oh, he said to buy some crypto, so I'm going to buy some. Like, well, that's that's not the right way to do it. Right. Right. Get educated, get informed, make a proper decision. And ultimately, your result don't hire don't hire a contractor off of uh, Craigslist. Right. Been there, done that. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that kind of rolls into. I like this discussion because it's important. Rate of return. Everyone's obsessed with rate of return. Rate of return is not unimportant, right? It is. It is important, of course. Um, however, what what we're often told and what what's often advertised is, hey, the S and P five hundred has averaged x amount of x percent over the past 100 years or the past 20 years or the past 10 years whatever right whatever you know arbitrary snapshot in time is used okay that's that's the average okay what is the actual return right does it take into account the volatility volatility if you trace a thousand dollars from 2017 to or from 1997 to 98 to 2017 what it, what is the actual rate of return vice the average they're two different numbers right right and you don't have to dig deep to find that out there's plenty of open source material that'll that'll trace that dollar for you and, and you could see wow it's not the 10% that people always just arbitrarily throw out there right it's not even close to that in fact so if you're planning on getting 10% actual returns maybe you will maybe you'll ride a bull market forever but probably not. So I think the other thing on this topic, too, is there's this assumption that you have to in order to get, you know, they ask your risk tolerance, right? These typical, you know, advisors, right? Wait, what's your risk tolerance? Well, you're moderately aggressive. Like, what the heck does that mean? What does that even mean? Yeah. Well, it's some arbitrary formula, right? That They throw into some computer and it spits out, hey, this person's risk tolerance is this, right? But it means nothing. I don't think, I no longer believe that I have to take higher risk to get a good return on my money. And and, and that's a fact. Um, return of capital, very important. Uh, getting collateral, very important for whatever you're investing in. Stock market doesn't really have doesn't have collateral. Right. There's no collateral. There's very little control. Um, so, yeah, and that's not, generally speaking, the wealthy are not going to have all of their assets and securities. But simply, they simply don't, right? They, they are well diversified, spread across multiple fronts um, so that they can weather those, those, um, those dips, right? Yeah, so you're saying rate of return is really the, the biggest consideration that, that the middle class has when it comes to investing and growing their wealth, because that's what we're marketed to. Hey, rate of return. We can get you a better rate of return over here. So then what is the wealthy? What, what are their top considerations if it's not rate of return? Well, well, control, return of capital, right? Yeah, they want to make money on their capital, but return of that capital that's invested mm -hmm. is, is super important, right? Those yeah. are the top two for me. Con yeah. Control control and liquidity are super important to me. That's good. And return of capital, that's really Warren Buffett says the number one rule is don't lose money. That's right. And then rule number two is refer to rule number one, right? Um, so absolutely. So control is huge. And, and Nelson talked about this in Becoming Your Own Banker um, is people get so focused on that. You know, most of us, we're happy if – most people are happy if they're investing or saving 10% of their income. Mm -hmm. um, what they really need to realize and just do some simple math is, is that going to get you to the lifestyle that you want if you're only 
you know, taking your your focus on that 10% where you could be, and this is where the IBC conversation comes in, although this off topic, but since this podcast is about IBC, I just wanted to mention this, like if we could recapture money that we're bleeding out of our system, that would enhance ultimately that, that 10% that we're investing. And now we're, now we're capturing more than that 10% and it's working for us in multiple places through, you know, through a series of policies or whatever. So yeah, the 10% is important and maybe it's 15 or 20% in your case, but there's a better way to get more money working for you if you just change the, your spending pattern. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. Right. So you're saying if you spend 40 years saving and, and investing 10%, um, is that really going to be able to uh, allow you to live for 20 or 30 years without working? I don't know. That's a, that's a big bet you're making. Yep. Good point. All right. <clears throat> Another middle-class thinking is, I like to say it's the uh, always pay cash group. So there's really two groups in the middle class when it comes to this. It's one, it's, hey, I want instant gratification. I'm going to put it all on credit. I don't have the discipline or the time to wait by saving cash, which is awful, right? Consumer debt is outrageous. Uh, but then the, the opposite end of that middle class spectrum is I will never use credit and I will always pay cash and only cash for everything, right? Which on the surface seems like a, a lot more responsible, a lot more responsible. And I would agree that that person is probably going to fare better in life uh, because they have some discipline, they have delayed gratification. But both of those, at the end of the day, you just end up with a zero line, right? Because if you're borrowing to go buy something, you're starting in a negative in the hole and working your way back up to the zero line. If you're saving and then you pay cash, you dropped all the way back down to the zero line when you paid cash, right? So the wealthy alternative, the way to think about this um, with a wealthy mindset is leverage that cash and use other people's money. So it's really combining savings and debt, putting those two together and controlling the entire equation. So the way we do that with infinite banking is first we save, we have discipline and we delay gratification by saving. And then we leverage that by borrowing the insurance company's money, debt, if you will, to go out and do our, our big purchases or our investing. So you're really combining the both, but because you've established that discipline in the first place, borrowing that money makes it all that much better because your cash is still sitting there earning uninterrupted compound growth forever, which you're not going to get compound growth anywhere else that I know of. True compound nope. growth, you know, something that never decreases, only increases. So uh, big difference there. <laughs> yeah. So, so Sarah reached out to me the other day on text message, uh, the, the Sarah that we know mutually. Mm -hmm. um, and she, she was rereading Nelson's book and she was, you know, looking at her, looking at her policy and, and uh, listening to the podcast. And she, and maybe, you know, we, we have an education process that we go through with our clients, right? And, you know, she's relearning, I guess, right? She's like, hey, even when I have a policy loan out, I'm still going to get, you know, the full dividend and, and my policy is going to grow at, at a rate that it would have grown anyway. And she, I was like, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, I said the company that we that your policy is with is a non-direct recognition company. And that's that's exactly how it works. And she was just elated that <laughs> um, yeah. I was like, yeah, we co we covered that. But uh, something something's bare repeating. So so good on her. And that's what it's all about. The education never stops. Um, yeah. You know, know, know your asset. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, she was reading that to her son, 
right? And he wanted <laughs> yes. her to read it to her. So yeah. little uh, little BYOB ninja there. Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. He's, he's a young kid, too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's roll into focus on cutting expenses, right? That's kind of like the tightening of the belt. Um, you know, this is, to me, this, this reminds me of the, okay, I'm 65. I'm your typical American. I've, I've accumulated all this money in either my company's 401k plan or an IRA or both or whatever, some savings. And now my advisor is like, okay, now we're going to implement the 3% rule for the rest of your life. And just, hey, look, you know, assuming that the rate of return is this on your portfolio, you'll have money until you're 91 years old or 98 years old or 103 or whatever. Some, Anyway, this is all unknown. The future is unknown. We have no idea uh, if these calculations will work, right? right. So. But what they tell you is, hey, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. Hey, you're not going to your house is going to be paid off. You're not going to have that mortgage. Um, but you know, what about long term care? What about what if inflation? Inflation. I get in an accident. I, you know, just all these unknown factors that do happen to people. Mm-hmm. You know, real things happen to real people every day, and some of those things are bad. How are we prepared to address those things? So, cutting expenses. I want to live an abundant life. Right. I want my retirement or my passive income time, you know, when I'm in my later years to be like my childhood with a ton of money with no rules. That's what I want my my old my my later part in life to be. Right. Yeah. Second childhood, tons of money, no rules. Right. (laughs) Do what I want when I want and without without a worry. Right. Right. So but that's not all we see. You know, you know, middle class mindset is oh, I got to, you know, I got to pinch pennies just to just to make it just to extend this money that I've accumulated over 40 years of hard work just to make it last. Uh, so I don't run out of money. And now I'm just living off my piddly widdly Social Security that, you know, is got trillions in unfunded liabilities uh, as we move forward here. So. Um, so how do we how do we make our money last? And as you said, while we're still working, how do we increase our income? How do we become more productive? How do we generate multiple streams of income, right? Because uh, that's how that's how you become more prosperous. You become more productive one way or another. That's the only way. Be more productive. So, Right. And like you said, we're, we're told, I mean, you listen to the financial entertainers. They say, cut your expenses down, you know, pay cash. Well, yeah, you can focus on and you should occasionally or maybe regularly go through your credit card statement or your bank account or whatever and find no doubt where am I spending more money than I need to like why do I have four subscriptions for streaming services like do I really watch that much TV and if so maybe I need to reevaluate reevaluate my life right Um, but cut these expenses yes you can do that but can you cut them all the way down to zero no you can't because you have to live so cutting expenses is finite which means it limits your, it really limits your creativity and you're, you're capping your potential at how much expense I can cut. So yes, that's important, but I would say 5% of your time needs to be focused on cutting expenses. Where can I trim the fat? 95% of your mental energy and your focus should be on how can I make more money? What's another income stream I could employ? Um, how do I, how do I do more with what I have? 
right? Like not only is that more beneficial to you because there's no cap, there's literally no cap on that, right? You can always ha get more money, you know, create another income stream, do all this. Um, but it's also, it's a lot more enjoyable to think about. And it's the difference between the middle-class thinking of scarcity mindset, like you alluded to, and the wealthy thinking of abundance mindset. So that's really it. Do you want to cut expenses and be and live scarcity mindset? Or do you want to focus on increasing your income, which can be done, everybody can do it, and have an abundance mindset? So Yeah, absolutely. And a good example, folks, is, you know, David, you know, Dave and I do private money lending, right? We do some real estate investment. We do a bunch of, you know, different things with our with our capital, right? I know that I've got some money coming back to me over the next 90 days. I'm already considering what what am I going to do with the capital plus the interest that is returned to me, right? I'm already looking for the next place to put that so that I can enjoy that compounding effect. But also, I'm going to lose that income stream that 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 loan, let's say, is providing. So I need to replenish and replace it and grow upon it so I, it'll expand my income, right? So I'll take the capital, the interest, and that will go out to another opportunity to continue generating that, that income stream. Yep, and you would never be thinking about that or even looking for those new opportunities coming along if you had a scarcity mindset. Nope, right. wouldn't even be a thought in my mind. Right, good. We could do a whole episode on that. Um, mm -hmm. no, another one is debt. How do we view debt? Well, middle-class thinking, all debt is bad. Debt, bad. Any debt. Doesn't matter what it is. My mortgage debt, my college debt, um, which I would argue maybe is bad, but, um, you know, consumer debt. Of course, consumer debt is bad. I think everybody would agree on that. Like if you're, you're spending money to go buy uh, a new $300 watch that when you look at it, it probably took you a week and a half to earn that, then it doesn't make any sense, right? Right. Um, but wealthy mindset uses debt, good debt, to create wealth. Like debt creates wealth. That's just a fact. And if you had to never use debt and try to become wealthy, I don't know how you'll do that. I mean, some financial entertainer will tell you that that's the only way to do it. Um, it's very, very, very difficult. Not many people can do it. Yep. So good debt creates wealth. That's a wealthy mindset and that's the way you need to think. Now it's just a matter of educating yourself what is good debt and what is bad debt. And that could be an entirely new episode, but read books, listen to podcasts, get around people who, who know what they're talking about. There's a difference between good debt and bad debt. Yeah. And, you know, just for our listeners, you know, if you're having to go into the payday loan place, <laughs> That's bad debt. Yes, and it's a perpetual cycle. I've got a you know a family member who ended up doing that, and she blamed herself. But it's also a, a system problem where they kind of capture you and then they keep you there forever. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. In fact, there's a good there's a good um, series on Netflix called um, Dirty Money. I think the first episode might be about one of those one of those companies that was just so predatory as far as the fees, the hidden fees, and Oh my God, these, these poor people that got caught up in that. Yeah. Uh, that dude's in jail now though. So yeah, but it comes down to education, right? If they had yeah. been, if they had known better, if they had been more educated about finances and the way money works in this world, they would never have been in that position. Most likely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay, so middle class thinking. I'm diversified in a single asset class. I'm I'm in the stock market, right? I've got some maybe individual stocks. I've got mutual funds. Well, wait, uh, you, you have a diversified portfolio. You're good, right? I'm good. You know, some of it's this, some of it's that. But it's all the same, right? You're you're all in Wall Street. And I think um, in Patrick Donahoe's book, um, Heads I, I Win, Tails You lose. lose, he's got that pyramid, right, where it yes. shows – it shows this where, you know, 90% of your money or of your wealth is tied up in securities, let's say, as an example, mutual funds, stocks, whatever, where it should be kind of the opposite. Your, you know, not, your, your foundation should not be that. Your foundation should be something that's guaranteed, stable, never, never stops growing, maybe provides a death benefit. You see what I'm getting at? Um, yep. So, yeah. Whereas, you know. The wealthy mindset is, hey, let me be. I've got some. I've got some money in securities. Great. I've got some money in cash flowing real estate that I control. I've got some money in maybe some passive income streams that um, I have some control and some say, but not maybe not as much. Um, I've got some guaranteed assets. Obviously, right? We've talked about, you know, what would the billionaires do? What do they do? Well, every time a child is born, they open up a you know a, a cash a high cash value type of life insurance whole life insurance contract on that on that child to create that perpetual wealth system for the family. Right. And there's trusts in there and other, other things. But, um, so don't have all your eggs in one basket folks is, is, is the overall point that we're trying to think. If you're, if you're fully exposed to the stock market with no savings, even if it's sitting in a savings account paying you nothing, you're, that's not, that's not recommended. Absolutely. So, and should we keep going or should we maybe make this two episodes because uh, we're, we're about at the time for one episode. Why don't we uh, why don't we come back and kind of wrap this up in the next episode and and then we'll talk about not just the difference between middle class and wealthy thinking, but um, what are the actions that the two take and maybe some what are some actions you can take today to to start living out that wealthy mindset. So we'll yeah, get into that, that as great. well. Yeah. Great. All right, man. Well, uh, that's a good one. And we'll catch you guys next week. See you later, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at the And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.